0: This podcast is brought to you by Free Buddhist Audio, the Dharma for your life. Our work is funded entirely by donations from our generous listeners. If you would like to help us keep this free, make a contribution at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash donate. Thank you and happy listening. So I'd like to dedicate this talk to Ergin Sangarakshita, but I'd also like to dedicate it to Narvachitta, because I put this talk together in the mornings of the first week when I was visiting her in the hospital. Uh, to say it was a distraction isn't quite the right word, but it was a kind of focus uh, while I was waiting to go and see her. And uh, yeah, they sort of linked in my mind, Bhante and Navajitra, because while I was visiting her, there was so much support to her, to her family who were present, to her friends, And to me, from all, from this wonderful sangha that we're part of, uh, practical help, all kinds of practical help, money, uh, all the kind of well-wishing that came our way, the mantra chanting, the pujas, the metabhavana, uh, you know, makes a huge difference when you're in that kind of situation. And then Suvajra let me know that uh, when the bulletin started to go out about her health, that Bhante would ask him two or three times a day, is there any news? How is Nava Chitta? So he was very, very present in that situation. And uh, I would, though she was not conscious, I would tell her that he was thinking about her. So yes, I dedicate this talk to both of them. So yes, a talk on discipleship. Um, it's a bit of a hot topic, isn't it? And uh, it's not a very big word. <laughs> but it seems to have a big impact and to cause a lot of... Uh, Discussion provoke a lot of feeling, so just to say this isn 't a personal talk by me about my relationship with banty i 've done that in the past or about my experience of discipleship with him. In this talk, I really just want to be clear about what he says about discipleship to lay the ground for our discussion so that we know what it is we 're talking about and what we 're not talking about. But in the interest of transparency, I do want to say that I don't have any particular difficulty with the word disciple or with that relationship with Bante. Now that doesn't mean that I agree with everything he's ever said or done, or more to the point, it doesn't mean that I understand everything he's ever said or done. But I am immensely grateful to him for having founded this wonderful order. I think sometimes we can take for granted what a radical step that was to found this order and that he enabled me, a 20th century young woman, to commit myself to a full Dharma life. I didn't have to go east, I didn't have to become a Theravadan nun, if that was possible. I could just live a full Dharma life because he founded the order and he witnessed my going for refuge. So I do consider him with great regard, with great gratitude, as the founder, as my preceptor, as my Kalyanamitra, and as my friend. But that doesn't mean also that in our long relationships, it must be something like 44 years or something, long time, it doesn't mean that that relationship has always been completely straightforward. Like any relationship, it's had its ups and downs and it's evolved. Oh, I think most of the evolving has been on my side. Fancy's <laughs> changed in that time as well. <laughs> so I've had to work through my own projections and my own reactivity that's just to say in in the interest of transparency that I consider myself a disciple of Sangha For I understand that the word or the experience is not straightforward for everyone. So I hope that in this talk I can clarify what I think Bhante means by discipleship, what he's asking of us, what he's not asking of us, and uh, then we can go away and discuss it in our groups and explore it in the future. So back in two thousand and nine, in the first of the series of papers that have emerged since then, in conversation with Bante, Bante was asked what defines the order. So I think it's just interesting that he was asked that question. I can think in previous decades he might not have been asked that question. We can say why later. And his answer to that question was basically the order can be defined as the community of my disciples and the disciples of my disciples, and the disciples of my disciples' disciples, and so on. So putting it like this, defining the order in that way, seemed a shift in emphasis to many people. And there was much discussion around the issue back then. And then a couple of months ago, maybe more than that, Subuti sent out his paper, A High Degree of Commonality, in which he's following through the implications of that 2009 paper, And in which he says, in the 2009 paper, Bhante especially made it clear that the order is the community of his disciples and his disciples' disciples, (coughs) practicing in accordance with his particular presentation of the Dharma. So you've already got a bit of a definition there, haven't you? This can be said to have settled an element of uncertainty amongst some order members. And we can now safely assume that anyone remaining in the order does so because they see themselves directly or indirectly as a disciple of Ergin Sangharaksita. So that's the bit that probably <laughs> nobody read any further. <laughs> the paper, <laughs> you faulted at the first hurdle. So I think from the response that we've had to that paper, we, it's fair to assume that not everybody agrees with that <laughs> assumption. Even those who consider themselves disciples of Sangharaksita realise that not everyone agrees with that assumption. So I think then we need more honest exploration and discussion of the topic. In a private correspondence between the Dharmacharani and Subuti, the Dharmacharani suggested that discipleship was an ongoing process. So how can we safely assume that anyone in the order sees themselves directly or indirectly as a disciple of Bante. Is this not rather a condition we are continually working to create? And Sabuti replied, this is part of his reply, I see your point and I would like to assure you that I had no hidden it- intention. What I had in mind was the equivalent of saying that I can assume that all order members are going for refuge effectively, even though I suspect that some of them are not. So that's one way we define our order, isn't it? It's a community of people effectively going for refuge, but we understand that effective going for refuge is an up-and-down process and we might not all be effectively going for refuge at the same time. So he continues, We now have a clear statement of what the order is from its founder and we can all act as if all order members accept it. So that's worthy of just reflecting on what he said in that paragraph in that letter. So we have to remember the context of the 2009 paper. In many ways, as an order, we were pretty cohesive Was Banti as our founder and only preceptor, teacher, Kalyan Amitra, for many, many years, probably from the founding in 1968 to when he began to share the process of ordination in, I think, the late 80s. It's not that we hadn't had our ups and downs, but it was a very strong cohesiveness, as it were. And then things change, uh, he shared his responsibility for ordination with other order members. Uh, the college was founded in 1993, the headship handed on in 2000. So there was a period of of change, of evolution. And then in 2003, we entered a period of what I can say is turbulence or reevaluation, or even creativity when we received Yashua Mitra's letter. And Bante was ill during that period. So there was a few years there, particularly 2003 and 4 and 5, which were quite... Um, Interesting. <laughs> uh, and then Manti's health uh, recovered. He, he was back, as it were. And um, by 2009, he had some things to say about the order that he'd founded and devoted his life to. And he did say we could see that 2000, 2009 paper as a re-founding of the order or a re-emphasis of its basic principles. So, I'm going to look at what Bhante actually says in that 2009 paper, because some people say it needs defining. This term discipleship needs defining. I think if you read the first six pages of What is the Western Buddhist Order, which of course you've all read many times, <laughs> you'll see that he does say exactly what he means by it. I'm going to look at the dictionary definition as support. Uh, I'm going to draw a little bit on some other people's writings on discipleship, particularly Ratnaguna, who wrote. Uh, A booklet, a paper, a talk, Discipleship in the Western Buddhist Order in 1995, so before 2009, where he explores the theme of discipleship. And also Vishwapani has written a couple of papers on discipleship, one in 2000 called The Order's Relationship with Sangharakshita," and one more recently called Discipleship and Its Discontents. I'm just going to pick some things out of that, but they're worth reading and exploring. So let's start with a dictionary definition. It's always a good place to start. The dictionary says that a disciple is the follower of the doctrines of a teacher or a school of thought. E.g. a disciple of Rousseau. And you might remember that in a recent Shabda Bantu is talking about seeing himself as a disciple of Plato in that same sense. It's so a pupil or adherent of the doctrines of another. And I think this maybe this definition is the one that uh, accords more, most closely with what Bhante means by the term disciple. It's one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another. Another definition, one of the personal followers of Christ. I think we can safely say that we're not expected... <laughs> to be a follower of Christ (laughs) so we're looking at maybe the definition that's most helpful is one who accepts and assists in spreading the doctrines of another so let's look at what Bante said in the first six pages of what is the Western Buddhist order, I'm going to give you a quick summary I'm not going to read all that out to you but I think it's important to see what he said (laughs) So he says uh, that that def- definition of the order as a community of his disciples and disciples' disciples needs to be understood more fully, we need to go back to the origins of the order. And his seeing of the need for a new Buddhist movement that was not a society with no commitment and you joined by subscription, but wasn't a traditional monastic order, but an order based on going for refuge of the three jewels and the taking of the ten precepts. So very, very fundamental, isn't it, to our principles? And he says, in doing this, in finding an order in this way, he's following a tradition. Teachers arise, they study the Dharma available to them at the time, at their time. This attracts people, a Sangha forms, which evolves into a school or tradition, and that each school or tradition has a specific, single, defining teacher. So you can see that reflected very much in the teachers of the past in our refuge tree, each of those teachers that Banti's chosen to be on our refuge tree uh, as a single defining teacher at the beginning of a tradition. So I think this, the next two paragraphs, short paragraphs, really are the definition of discipleship as Banti means it. He says, "'The order cannot be defined democratically. "'It was founded by me as the community of my disciples,' who are practicing the Dharma in accordance with my teaching, who follow my understanding of the Dharma and the general range of practices that I have taught. I think, in a way, that's probably it in a nutshell. He then goes on to say, The duty of my disciples is to adhere faithfully to the teachings they've received from me, to practice faithfully in accordance with that, and to do their best to hand it on faithfully to others and remain in personal contact with their preceptors if possible. So he says, you can put it a different way. You can say that a particular sangha presupposes a particular presentation of the Dharma. The order presupposes the particular presentation of the Dharma that I have given over the years. Everyone needs to be following the same founding teacher, guided by the same doctrinal understanding of the Dharma, and broadly speaking, the same set of practices in order for everything to hang together doctrinally and methodologically, so that we can make progress, I think underlined, so that we can make progress. Everything hangs together so that we can make progress. And he goes on to spell out what he means by those teachings and practices pertaining to doctrine and method, particularly in the form of the four lineages of doctrine, practice, responsibility and inspiration that he would like us to hand on, pass on. So he concludes this section of the paper by saying that all this together creates something indefinable, an atmosphere or attitude found in tree ratna and nowhere else, and all are contained in a network of spiritual friendship and are to be handed on faithfully from generation to generation in a chain of discipleship. An order member remains an order member because he or she accepts that definition and works within it. I mean accepts it effectively through real understanding of my teaching, active practice of the methods I have taught or sanctioned, and diligent participation in the life of the order that I have founded. So I think it's pretty clear what he means by discipleship. So last year... um, I think it was last year, Banti was studying, I can't remember who he was studying with, but he was studying a Yogacara Sutra, Mahayana Sutra, the Samdhinimachana Sutra. And uh, the Sutra itself was exploring the three turnings of the wheel of the Dharma. So the first turning of the wheel is the Buddha teaching in the deer park. The second turning is contained in the Perfection of Wisdom literature. And the third turning is contained in the Yogacara literature. And Bante's comment on this view, uh, this way of viewing successive historical phases, because that's what it is. So, you know, the Yogachara is saying, we're the real deal, we're the third uh, turning of the wheel of the Dharma. He says, it's, it's the way in which the tradition explained to its, its own evolution in default of the critical historical awareness that we have today. So the tradition is trying to understand itself, but we have a different kind of approach to critical awareness. So, what he says is each successive turning of the wheel sees itself as making something that was previously implicit explicit, and he explores that uh, to some degree. So, that's quite interesting, and I think if you think about Bante, uh, he's someone I think who's continually doing that. I think he's continually making teachings, uh, principles which have become implicit, explicit, so that we can follow them and practice them. So many of the things I think that we can take for granted is Bante doing just that. So the whole teaching, the centrality of going for refuge, with all its levels and dimensions. I mean, it's kind of bread and butter to us, isn't it? We probably don't think about it very much, but that's Bante. Um, of course, going for refuge is present in the early tradition, but then it gets superseded by. Bodhisattva ordination, it gets superseded by tantric initiation. Bhante's going back and saying, what is crucial? What makes a Buddhist a Buddhist? It's going for refuge to the three jewels. So he draws that out and elucidates it for us, as well as the importance of the ten precepts. So we don't need to take lots and lots and lots of monastic rules. We can focus on those ten fundamental ethical precepts. And He's drawn out so many other things from the Dharma for us, the teachings of the five Niyamas from the commentaries. In a way, the whole teaching and practice of spiritual friendship, it's not that it's not there in the Pali canon, but it's probably so accepted in in the Buddhist day that it it, it doesn't get kind of explicated very much. So he's brought that out as a tradition. And I've seen him do that over many, many years in his lectures, in his seminars. He takes a text, a text that would be not very comprehensible to me, and he brings out of that text, he makes explicit what is going to be helpful and useful to us thinking about the whole uh, practice of confession. We didn't invent these things. (laughs) Bante kind of brought that out of the teachings from the Sutra of Golden Light, didn't he? And then we take them up. And I was thinking about um, his lectures on the Ten Pillars of Buddhism. That wasn't given until 1984. So I got ordained in 1970 and he founded the order in 1968. So I kind of assumed that I knew what the ten precepts were as I'd taken them at ordination and I was practicing to some degree but and again it's not until those lectures that you get that really full exploration of the ten precepts which enables us to practice them much more deeply so there's so many ways in which he's done that over the years I think another example is uh, the four lines of acceptance, which we take it our public ordination, and then most of us have gotten, we've never taken them until, I think actually it was order members uh, began to sort of explore those in much greater fullness. So I think in a way probably what he's doing is, in defining the order as a community of his disciples and his disciples' disciples, is drawing out a particular aspect of our order and what it means. And that aspect is discipleship. So we could ask, well, why did he choose to emphasize that in 2009? What does he mean by it? And in that same year, because it was kind of, oh, this is new, this is different emphasis, what does it mean? Uh, He was involved in a certain number of question and answer sessions uh, on this topic and others. So one question and answer session was with, I think, the private preceptors and the public preceptors. And someone asked him, uh, why is there that shift in emphasis? And he said, well, in the first place, we have spiritual friendship. And this has two aspects, the horizontal between peers, suffused, as it were, with metta. And then the vertical aspect, where one person is more experienced or spiritually developed than another. (coughs) And that discipleship is a special form of vertical spiritual friendship. So write that in your notebooks and talk about it later. (laughs) It's a definition, isn't it? Discipleship is a special form of vertical spiritual friendship. He didn't think the term pupil or student were appropriate because they didn't have a spiritual meaning. So he said within that vertical spiritual friendship, that natural spiritual hierarchy, there is a handing on of the Dharma. And then one speaks of discipleship. So Bhante, when he's talking about discipleship, he's always talking about this aspect of handing something on. It comes up again and again. And he's pointed out that when he uses the term handing on, he's not meaning handing over. Handing on for him is a sharing. So he handed on responsibility for ordaining people, apart from himself, but Bhante could still ordain someone if he wanted to. He's sharing that responsibility. But he comes back again and again to this sense of discipleship involves handing on the Dharma has learnt by us from him. And he said, he thought also that the term sekho uh, was not the term he was looking for either, which means learner in the tradition. And again, he says, well, disciple has this sense of handing on. And he quotes the Buddha from the Ittivutika. And again, this is a quote he uses quite often when he's talking about discipleship. The quote is that the Buddha said, <coughs> Bhikkhus, you are my legitimate or true sons and daughters. You are born from my mouth, born from the Dharma, created by Dharma, heirs of Dharma, not heirs of material things. So you're my true sons and daughters, born of my mouth, born of the Dharma. And Bhante says, born from the Buddha's love, from the teaching and the communication of that. So he says, in a way, we're impregnated by the Dharma, which gives birth to a new self, and we're deeply influenced by the Dharma, it's our inheritance, it's our spiritual genes, and then we hand that on. So he says, so you are born of me spiritually, this is Bhante, inasmuch as you have received the Dharma from me, you are my disciples. So in the same question and answer session, uh, the question of loyalty was also raised. And we know, of course, that with loyalty to my teachers is one of the four lines of acceptance we take in our public ordination. And again, when he was talking about loyalty, he said, well, that means a heartfelt response to me as your founder, but also as a preceptor and also to your preceptors, teacher Kalyanamitra's, and then to any other teachers in your life, you know, your own preceptor and Kalyana Mitra's meditation teachers, but that loyalty involves practicing what you've been taught and passing on as faithfully as possible to others. So again, you've got that whole sense of handing something on, passing something on. It seems to be the crucial factor. So there was a second question and answer in Cambridge with uh, some of the Cambridge order members, and again, he was asked why this change in emphasis, why em- why I emphasize disciple-discipleship. Before, in my relation to the order, you talked about being a spiritual friend, indeed just a friend. Is there a difference between being a friend and being a disciple? And rather enigmatically, he says, I'm going to answer that indirectly. I'm going to refer to an aphorism in Pieces of Fire. And that aphorism says, there are four kinds of disciples Disciples who are like patients, disciples who are like friends, disciples who are like sons and daughters, and disciples who are like lovers. And in seminars, when he's asked about this aphorism, he says that this classification arose out of his own experience and observation. Uh, he says, likewise, there are four aspects of the teacher, or ways in which he or she can relate. Being a teacher is a many-sided business. We show different sides to different disciples. Some need support, encouragement and praise, others not. So, yeah, there's lots of discussion about that in seminars. So you might be a disciple who's like a patient. Um, In a way, he says that you're not really a full disciple because you're not seeing uh, the teacher as a person in their own right, in a way. Uh, You want curing, but you can make progress. (laughs) And he also says, well, the Buddha was the great physician. And then you might be a disciple who's like a friend. Uh, So you like the teacher for their own sake, you get on well, it's less systematic and formal. Or you might be a disciple who's more like a son or daughter, which I think he sees as more like true discipleship, in this sense of born of you, inherited from you, inspired by you. And then you might be a disciple who's more like, he did emphasize like a lover, uh, where there's a strong sense of intimacy, freedom, Intensity—it's a little bit more equal, more reciprocal—and he says that's more like the beloved in the supu tradition. So that's just interesting. That's how he answered the question there. That it's a, a multifaceted relationship, and uh, I guess if we accept that we are disciples of Sangharachita, um, we can be the kind of disciple that we are. Uh, you know, it, it, it's open to many kinds of experience. You might be uh, a very, very devoted, emotional. Um, disciple of Bante's you might be a bit more, you know, you're really just grateful that he elucidated the Dharma in the way he did, so you might be more of a faith follower or a doctrine follower you might be more passionately emotional, you might be a little bit cooler, in a way it's up to us to work that out, and one of the things he says in um, My Relationship the Order that, that he's talking about his relationship to us, and we need to work out our relationship with him Okay. So just to go back to what is the Western Buddhist order and that paragraph on discipleship, um, I have to say that I didn't really uh, pause over that uh, paragraph when I first read it, the answer to the question. I just read that paragraph that the order is a community of my disciples and the disciples of my disciples, etc. I read that paragraph really as just a description of our order in the sense of a lineage of ordination, um, it's the, only, the only way you can become an order member is to be ordained into it by a preceptor the first preceptor was Bante. he took that step, he founded the order he did that through the ordination ceremony by witnessing the effect of going for refuge of those first 12 people and then there was an order and then many years later he shared that responsibility with others so everybody in the order, everybody has been ordained by a preceptor been ordained by someone who witnessed their effect of going for refuge and ordained by someone who was ordained by someone else who was ordained by Bhante. So that, in a way, it's a kind of fundamental principle of our order, I think, that there is that lineage of ordination. And Bante seems to just re-emphasize that it's a lineage of discipleship in the way that he wants us to hand on his teaching. So I think that if we think about discipleship, we can't... But think about the ordination ceremony itself, which is at the crux of, you know, why we're, how come we're all here, really. So our ordination ceremony is based in tradition, but it's very, very distinctive to our order. It's unique, and it's, yeah, it's very specific. And I think, perhaps we don't realize that the ordination ceremony, it contains all our fundamental principles and practices of our Dharma life. In a way, all the essential elements of our principles and practice are distilled into the ceremony. So the whole revolutionary teaching of the centrality of going for refuge with all its levels and dimensions, the understanding of the working of that out in terms of the ten precepts, the following of the path in terms of the five great aspects, you you wouldn't be in that kuti unless you practice integration and positive emotion, the whole ordination ceremony is conducted in the spirit of spiritual receptivity. And there's a focus on the giving of the meditation practice within the ceremony on spiritual death and rebirth. And then there's the initiation into a new life with the giving of a name. So everything is there in that ordination ceremony. we through that ordination ceremony. That's how we come to be in the order. And I think that's what Bhante's talking about when he's talking about a chain of discipleship. So it might be worth uh, rereading that that part of initiation into a new life. So uh, one of the questions I think that was asked in the Cambridge question answers was, um, I can't remember the exact wording actually, but it was a bit like someone suggested that the, in, the, in that Banti chose to define the order, he said it's not democratic, I define it. Uh, they suggested that he was imposing himself. His authority on the order, that was a question asked or a statement made. And um, he said, oh, I don't see myself as an authority uh, to be blindly followed. <clears throat> and uh, he says this more fully in, a, in an interview with a Buddhist, Jamie Creswell, in, it's in Dharma Life in the year 2000, when he's asked directly about the question of his authority in the order. And he says, I don't think of myself as possessing authority, as a result of my own studies in practice, I have a certain understanding of the Dharma and a certain ability to communicate that, and that is what I've been doing. If people find what I say reasonable, and if when they put it into practice it works, they may choose to accept it. That was the Buddha's approach, and on my own level, I do the same. My appeal is to people's reason and experience. Ultimately, that is the authority. I do not consider my words to be sacrosanct. Even the Buddha did not consider his words to be sacrosanct. He said, test my words as gold in the fire. How can one say more than that? So I think also, uh, in in terms of seeing Bhante as an authority to be blindly followed, he's elucidated that in, uh, if you remember, the Vimalakirti Nidesa series of lectures. In one of those lectures, he explores a teaching called the Four Reliances. And one of those reliances is that we rely on the Dharma uh, and not on the individual. So we rely on the Dharma as embodied in the lives of our spiritual friends and not on the individual in the sense of artificial authority or claims or power. So he also says that being a disciple doesn't require an emotional allegiance but a spiritual one. Personal devotion is not required to a person as a person, but to them as a vehicle or embodiment of going for refuge of the Dharma. We don't go for refuge to Bhante, we go for refuge to the three jewels, to the Buddha, the Dharma and the Arya Sangha. But nevertheless, given that we've chosen, freely chosen, to join the order of which Bhante is the founder and the defining teacher and preceptor, he is in a way our conduit or our doorway to those true refuges. And I think it's in this way that he is a friend. Someone has said we've lost Bhante as a friend. He said he was a friend in the history of my going for refuge. We have to remember he said, I'm the founder, the preceptor, Kalyanamitra, and friend. All those things. But I think he's a friend in the sense, well, he has got personal friends in the order, obviously, um, but I think he's a friend in the sense of being the good friend, in the Mahayana sense, that he's given us the Dharma, and he's founded the order, and he's taken an interest in the order and us, and in the order's personal growth. And in individuals, you can see that from that uh, constant uh, concern about Navachitta and I'm sure he was equally concerned about Rajagita at the same time. So he's given the order, and all of us in it, so much close attention over the years. So he's not necessarily a personal friend in the way I'm friends with Parami, for example. (laughs) But he has encouraged us, doesn't he, to have close personal friends. I think he's a friend in that Mahayana sense. Okay, so you may have no difficulties with the word disciple or with the act of discipleship that, you know, you may feel uh, that's completely fine for you. Or you might have some difficulty. Uh, You might have some difficulty with the word. The word seems to be a sticking point for some people. And uh, the experience seems to be a sticking point for others. So there's probably all shades of kind of response to this definition of the order. So it may be that the word has Christian connotations for us, uh, although we're not expected to be disciples of Christ. So maybe we just have to think about that and and claim the word as our own. There's no reason why we can't claim the word as our own. Uh, It's used in our tradition anyway, isn't it, in the Buddhist tradition. We talk about the bhikkhus being disciples of the Buddha. Uh, It's used very fully as a translation in uh, the Tibetan tradition. Minarepa as a disciple of Marpa, and so on. So it, it, it is familiar to us, and we did have those earlier papers and talks from Ratnaguna and Vishwapani, so it's not completely new to us. And I remember being very, very moved uh, when Dada Rinpoche, when he was alive, he said he regarded any disciples of Sangharaksha as his disciples. I felt you know, very, very privileged to be considered a disciple of Dada Rinpoche. So we might be happy to think of ourselves as disciples of the Buddha, but not of Bhante. And that is worth thinking through why that might be. Uh, We might not be happy with the whole uh, issue of discipleship because we feel that it implies something that probably Bhante doesn't mean by it. And if we thought this through, could we be happy using the term? So we might think that being a disciple means in some way compromising our individuality, our autonomy and our freedom. You might think, oh, we're just being asked to be sheep uh, in the sense of uncritically following anything that Banty says. Uh, so we might think you know, we're not allowed to disagree with him and we might think it means we're supposed to have an overwhelming personal devotion to him or that we must think of him as perfect or that we need to have an uncritical idealisation of him or it, that it involves doing everything he says in an uncritical way. So we might think that's what discipleship implies. And I think if you go back to what I've said before, none of that, none of that is being asked of us. So Vishwapani uh, has written a couple of articles on discipleship. The latest one was called Discipleship and Its Discontents. And the earlier one was called The Order's Relationship with Sangharakshita. Uh One's in Shabda, the latest one. The previous one you can find on Free Buddhist Audio. I think he covers similar uh, territory in both papers, and it's quite interesting. He's a very intelligent man. He thinks things through quite deeply. And one of the things he says is he thinks that uh, such a relationship, the relationship of disciple to teacher, in a way, I think any vertical spiritual relationship, kyanomitra relationship, has inherent difficulties and tensions. The other thing you said which I think is really interesting is that not much prepares us for such a relationship in our modern world and with our modern condition. It's it's a new kind of relationship in our lives and we don't really know quite what to do with it sometimes. It's not just like a teacher and a student or pupil, although you may respect your teachers in, in various disciplines. It's not really like a therapist and a client. It's not really like a priest or a rabbi in the congregation. It's not really like anything, is it, we've ever really come across. A spiritual vertical relationship It's something new. So it's not surprising that then we feel tension in that relationship between our own issues around authority, individuality, freedom, autonomy, receptivity, dependence. Yeah, so we feel that kind of tension uh, in those relationships. And uh, we, we need to work that through, work that out. So, I think we need to be honest with ourselves as to what we might be bringing to the word disciple, to the relationship, discipleship, to our relationship with our Kalyana Mitras, etc. And be quite honest about our own issues around individuality, independence, authority, dependence, uh, our projections, our need to idealise, our fear of dependence, all those issues, you know, which are personal to us. We just need to really, really look at what we bring. I guess it's likely that we'll fall between you know, those two extremes as it were, or somewhere in the middle, or we'll swing from one to another. Authority and conformity on one side, individualism and perhaps rebellion on the other. So at some points in our life we might have been quite uncritical and taken on things that Bhante said too uncritically, not thought them through too easily, uh, things written and said by Bhante even by Sabuti and then we can have a reaction, can't we, and reject everything, you know, those kind of oscillations that we do and I think it's quite hard to find the middle way between those two poles to work with that tension tension's a good thing it's not a bad thing tension headache's a bad thing <laughs> spiritual tension's a good thing and it's good to hold both poles of the tension because then you'll achieve some kind of breakthrough but that's not an easy thing to do so it's hard to find a middle way sometimes between those two poles and we need an emotional aspect we need sincerity and honesty and that kind of more receptive aspect, but we also need to bring genuine intelligence and discrimination to bear. So we need to own our subjective reactions and be prepared to really think things through and test and turn over the teachings in our own mind and make them our own. And I think in that same spirit, this is what we need to think deeply about this whole area of discipleship. So I think Ratna also in his booklet explores the inherent tensions in discipleship, and he suggests that dependence and independence are two, and discipleship is the Dharma door of non-duality. Again, it's worth thinking about as a little aphorism. So then there would be both a genuine feeling for being in relationship, of being in training, of learning, of being in Messiah, and feeling gratitude for all that one's been given, while at the same time being really prepared to think things through and make the Dharma one's own, because then handing it on will be more effective. And I'm sure Banty would want nothing less of us. He says in another aphorism in the Stream of Stars, speaking personally, I do not want disciples who are meek and obedient and afraid to speak their mind. I want disciples who are bold, self-confident and independent and who are capable of standing against the whole world if necessary. And in a seminar, he says, the good disciple, inverted commas, the good disciple is receptive. But, and, gives the teacher the opportunity of communicating himself and his thoughts by asking questions, which allows you, the teacher, to explore some thoughts, to round out your thoughts more fully, and see some implications or applications you might not fully have seen. So to ask questions of your teacher, your preceptor, your kalyanamitya, is a very good thing. It's an active aspect, isn't it, of the relationship. It's a dynamic relationship. And you can see, in a way, this is what Bhante's done with, uh, done with the whole series of papers. He's asked Bante lots of questions about certain aspects of the Dharma, so that Bante can unfold his latest thinking. So back to the question-and-answer uh, session with uh, the public and private preceptors. Of course, uh, the preceptors are a bit "oh. Does that mean I've got disciples? <laughs> so, I <laughs> had quite thought of it in that way before. You've got preceptees, ordinance, preceptees, but now, oh, you might have disciples. So, that wasn't terribly comfortable, and um, there was a discussion between someone present and Bante. They said, oh, they, they just found that quite hard to accept that they would have disciples, And Bhante replied, well, maybe we, that's the preceptors, so I'm speaking to the preceptors present now, (laughs) hadn't fully taken on the seriousness of what we had taken on. Maybe this will dawn on you gradually. (laughs) (laughs) That person that you've ordained has given their life into your hands. It is a big thing when they are ordained. They take a tremendous step, perhaps the biggest step of their lives, and you are the agent of that. So it's a very serious responsibility. So it's not too much to speak in terms of discipleship. Even though you have not founded the movement, you are still the real agent of them taking that step. If you want to sidestep it, as it were, by saying, well, they're your disciples, Bante, not mine, well... You would have to have a very great deal of contact with me in order to be to mediate between them and bante, so you know you couldn 't sidestep it really <laughs> so someone says, "Well, I feel I can be a friend, but i 'm not really comfortable with this language of discipleship and bante says, "So do you not see yourself as teaching as teaching them in study groups on retreats or of passing something on to them and the person says Oh yes, I'm I'm helping to pass on the teachings. And Bante says, well, this is what the teacher does in relationship to a disciple. You hand on or pass something on. Perhaps you are a naturally modest sort of person. (laughs) And one need not agonize over a word. Spiritual friendship is a very good word, and such friendship can go very deep. But I see the preceptors as not just ordaining people, but having disciples in this way. And this is the way that the order will continue. This is the structure. The order is the order of my disciples and their disciples, and so on. Otherwise, the order will have no future. So, in a personal question and answer with someone else who is also a preceptor, she asked, "So, is there a difference between preceptee and disciple? Are they the same thing? Is it a replacement term?" And again, he says, well, you're not only witnessing they're going for refuge, you are handing on the Dharma, although there is a two-way learning in the evolution of that relationship. And she says, I regard you as the giver of the Dharma and my preceptor as someone embodying someone who has transformed her life through the practice of the Dharma. So is it as much about exemplification? And she said, Bhante said, yes, very strongly. (laughs) So, I hope that this will give you some idea of what I think Bante means by discipleship, because I'm reading lots of his quotes, so it's not just what I think, trying to make it clear what he is asking of us in the context of the order which we founded, and what he's not asking of us. He seems to be simply asking us to understand the principles, teachings and practice of the order that he has founded, to put those into practice and to hand them on faithfully, including exemplification. Nevertheless, relationships are complex, people are complex, I'm complex, is complex, and relationships evolve. So it is for each of us to work out our relationship with Bante, now and in the future, and with our preceptors, but to take seriously how he chooses to define the order he has founded, and to look deeply into our own responses to that, and to feel and think it through. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Please help us keep this free. Make a contribution at freebuddhistaudio.com forward slash donate. And thank you.